0: Hello and welcome to the Global City Missions Podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Buchel, GCMI's team leader in New York, and today we're going to be talking to Dan Bouchelle, who works for Missions Resource Network, about the topic, Things I Wish I Knew. How are you doing, Dan? Doing good. How are you doing? Uh, so Dan is actually my father, and like I said, he works for Missions Resource Network, but before that, uh, you were, what, 25 years in the pulpit in congregations? Yeah, somewhere like that, yeah. Um, and so this is something of a running series for us, uh, cause one of the hardest things to teach or train missionaries in is perspective. Um, they can learn a skill, they can learn a strategy, but, you know, perspective comes with experience and hard knocks. And so when we have experienced ministry professionals in the room, we like to ask them, you know, what do you wish you knew different? Or what do you wish you knew if you were starting over? And one of the reasons I want to have this conversation with you is because with MRN, you've had a lot of experience. As a liaison between churches and missionaries, you've uh, gotten to listen in on train and minister to missionaries and really draw from a wealth of experience internationally. So if you were to go back and start over as the leader of a congregation who wanted to partner in missions, that wanted to get involved with what's going on today uh, you know, in the missionary world, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? Oh, so many things. Um, so...
1: If you were to say, what is the what is the biggest blind spot you had as a preacher? And what's the biggest blind spot you had as a missions committee member, leader? Um, they would be similar. And that is, I made the mistake in ministry, domestic, international, everywhere, of thinking if we get the model right, if we get the structure right, it will produce the right product. Okay. So if we build the right church, it will make the disciples. Mm. And so I was looking at big picture structure issues, and I wasn't asking the most important question, which is, what what is a disciple? How are they made? And then, how do we replicate that? And so I was starting on the wrong end of the problem, and I spent an awful lot of my life trying to figure out, how do we build the right kind of church, assuming that the right kind of church would make disciples? Well, that didn't work out so well. Uh, hit and miss. Instead of asking, what's a disciple, how are they formed? Well, I think the same thing is true in terms of missions. We tend to want to look at the big picture strategy. Hmm. Um, what's your strategy? What are you trying to do? What, what kind of church are you trying to build? How are you going to do this? Well, instead of saying, all right, now um, tell me about what you're trying to produce in people. And then how do you leverage that? How do you scale that? How do you do that in a sustainable way? And so, you know, I, I want to start at the other end of the equation. Not that there isn't a strategy, but start at a different end. Instead of the big picture end, let's start at
0: what is it you're trying to reproduce in one person before we're trying to figure out how you get a structure for that. Right. Okay, let me echo that back and see if I hear you correctly. That, uh, you know, when we approach ministry and missions, we often come with this formulaic or even mechanistic idea that if we build the right system, it'll produce the right outcome. Right. You're saying the question that we should be asking is, okay, in in the life of one person that I'm discipling, how do I form in them the character and and raise them into the stature of Christ and then scale that to be something? So, yeah. So how do I how do I first? you know,
1: introduce myself to somebody, form a relationship, make it a disciple. How do we then leverage that into their relationship and multiply that out? And then how do we scale that as those concentric circles relationship expand? And so it's grassroots from the bottom up instead of organization from the top down. You still eventually have a large scale strategy, but which end of the problem are you starting with? And so it's, you want to start with an organic bottom up or big system top down. I've spent a lot of my time doing top-down stuff. I wasn't paying enough attention from the bottom up. So that that's across the board, domestic ministry, international work. So the second uh, big area that I would want to change, um, in the churches where I was the preacher, pastor, leader, um, we tended to really fall in love with our missionaries. And we want to support them and love them. And we didn't really ask them a lot of strategic questions. And as long as they came back with some really good anecdotes and they could tell baptism stories, you know, we were really happy and we supported them and that's all good. What I wish we would have been asking is, how are you reproducing yourself? Hmm. How many leaders are you training? How quickly can you turn over what you're doing to others? Um, How is this going to work when you're gone? Right. What are your steps for disengaging, and what's the next place God is calling you to go, and and, and, and are we a part of that partnership with you? Um, Because ultimately, uh, no matter how many baptisms they're getting or how many responses, they're going to hit a threshold, and they're not going to be able to go beyond it. And for it to really move, they've got to focus on leadership development. But a lot of missionaries feel like their support is insecure and they want to be able to show the results of their immediate work, the people they're leading to the Lord. And they're afraid if I focus on, I'm assuming here, but my guess is that there's a sense of if I really focus on equipping a few leaders, then I'm not going to have as much product to show here. Right. And I make myself look less necessary because there are these other leaders that right. are indigenous. And so I'm not sure that the church is going to see my, how essential my role is here. And I might feel as good. And so we didn't hold them accountable for replicating leaders, right. setting them up for sustainability. Um, and so what you end up with is some churches that are full of people that love the Lord, but don't reproduce themselves and missionaries who are, dealing with more people than they know how to manage, and they're run ragged, and they feel they have to constantly add to that number. But the number of people they can manage and care for in pastor is really, really limited. Right. And, you know, churches are typically content. Well, we've got a growing church there. Well, oh, that's great. But how are they going to reach the next, the next city and the next city and the next city and the next city? That's about leadership equipping. So I really wish we had focused more on and held our workers more accountable to focus on. Leadership equipping, even if
0: it reduces your numbers in the short run, you'll get to multiplication more quickly. So let me, again, go back and, and make sure I'm understanding you correctly. So it sounds like you're saying that for a lot of supporting churches, because they don't understand the larger objectives of the missionary they support, um, it's very difficult for the missionaries to grow the church in a way that it can become self-leading and independent. Right. Because they're afraid that if they mature this ministry to the point that they're not necessary. Well, now they're not necessary to support and partner with. Right. And so we're so we didn't have a lot of conversations with our
1: missionary of what's your exit strategy and how are you equipping people to replace you? And then what's your next ministry? Right. And what's your role in that? And does that fit us? Um. And and you could build a long term relationship with people you deeply love and trust, but it isn't necessarily in the same place doing right. the same thing over a long period of time. We need to be asking questions. How does this scale? How does this multiply? Right. And, and that's about re- replicating yourself
0: and creating additional leaders. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's big. And I know, you know, that's a big part of our strategy like we talked talking about before in the podcast with disciple making movements. Um, if you were in a congregation that, you know, they were already committed, uh, in some of the ways that you've talked about that, you know, they're 10, 15 years into committing with a worker in the field and up until now, haven't been able to have those conversations. Uh, you know, what do you know now that would help them begin to have the kinds of communication and ask the kinds of questions that would transition the church and missionary relationship to a healthier and maybe more self-reproducing place. So you really do need to
1: have the exit strategy conversation. The problem is if you haven't built a lot of relational trust and haven't had a lot of communication and you bring that up, it just sounds like you want to fire somebody. Yeah. And so, you know, before you have that conversation, you better make sure that there's enough confidence and trust in each other that you can have that conversation, that they understand you're not wanting to terminate the relationship. You're wanting to ensure the ongoing growth of the kingdom in that location. And you're wanting to make sure that the leader you're supporting isn't unintentionally sabotaging leadership development there to create an ongoing reason for their presence. Yeah, that's big. And so they need to understand we we love you. We believe in you. But our commitment is to the field over the worker. But we do want to talk with you about what's your next thing. And how do we help you move into that as God is calling you to do that and and make sure you feel secure enough in what you're doing that you can release leadership to other people so you don't have to continue to justify your ongoing presence here. Yeah, if a if a foreign worker who loves being here and this is their home does feel like they have a secure relationship with their sending congregation, they will often unknowingly sabotage the development of local leaders so there's an ongoing reason for them to be present. That needs to be talked about. That needs to be on the table. That is a predictable trap you could fall in. How do we avoid that? Well, anything that's mentionable is manageable. So if we can talk about it, then we can work around it and we can assess it. But you've got to have those conversations. But don't wait ten years in, neglect these people for that entire decade. Then show up all of a sudden, start asking all kinds of numerical, <laughs> justifiable information, right. and then say, "What's your exit strategy?" Well, that just sounds like prelude to a termination. You're going to get defensive responses. You're not going to get healthy communication. Yeah. they're going to they're going to contact the 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 power brokers and the the stakeholders they've got back in your congregation put pressure on them to put pressure on you. I mean, you're going to get all kinds of weird kind of political stuff going on at that point. You can't have healthy dialogue if you've neglected something for 10 years. So don't neglect something on the front end. If that's where you are, acknowledge that's where you are. Talk to your work and say, you know what? We realize we really haven't done a great job of communicating with you, understanding what you're doing, supporting you. We want to be more involved with you. Spend some time building some trust before you start jumping into exit strategy conversations. Right. Give yourself 18 months or two years or at least six months of really good conversation and helping them understand where you're coming from and what your heart is. And they probably are thinking about leader development. And they're probably thinking about these things, but they may not be talking to you about it. You might want to listen to them before you start, you know, telling them what they need to do. But just broaching the conversation. Yeah. You know, what's next? That's a big step. How is this going to operate without you? Um, Now, a lot of missionaries, they, you know, it's a five-year commitment or it's a seven-year commitment. Maybe it's a 10-year commitment. So they're already thinking about what's next. But for some, boy, that's just not a conversation they want to
0: have. Sure. It seems like even for the five, seven-year commitment, though, You know, you need to start with leadership development early enough that they're mature enough to lead when you leave. That would be nice. I mean, you know, so if you're waiting until you're six or seven to say, how are you replacing yourself? You may not have the runway to develop it by the time you're out of the field. Well, okay, this gets into another issue
1: that is what I call the conundrum of missions funding. Okay. so here's the trap that a prospective missionary is in. It's a catch 22. In order to get funding to get to the field, you're going to have to have a compelling strategy that you can give to your church in order to have a decent workable strategy. You're going to have to get in the field for a couple of years. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the trap. I'm going to design a strategy that will not work to get funding. Then I'm going to go to the country and find out it doesn't work. Then I'm going to develop a different strategy. Go back to the church and tell them we're changing what we're doing, which makes you look like you didn't know what you were doing, which, of course, you didn't know what you were doing. (laughs) Instead of on the front end saying, here are some core principles and practices and skills that are involved in disciple making everywhere. Right. Here are some things we know about this culture that we're trying to learn. Right. We're going to get into this context and we're going to try to apply these skills and these principles, but we cannot tell you yet exactly what form the strategy is going to take until we've been in the field. Now, the sending church or foundation or donors or whatever need to be educated about, that is actually the most healthy way to begin the work. Yeah. Otherwise, what you end up with is this constant thing with, well, we said we were going to do it this way, so I guess we're going to do it this way, but it doesn't really work. Or, well, we're going to make it look like this wasn't as big a change as it was.
0: Or, well, we've changed our strategy because that didn't work. Right. Which is exactly what you said at the beginning, though, that you don't start with the system, the model, the strategy, and then try to figure out how to force it into the context. You start with, what does it mean to make a disciple? What's a disciple? What principles guide us? That's right. And that's That's right. And whatever, you can
1: have an understanding about how life replicates. There's basic principles about that. But you can't say before you have the baby what the baby's going to look like, how it's going to behave, how you're going to parent it. I mean, you know, you kind of have some principles, but every child is unique. Every setting is unique you know you 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 raise one child to two or three and you think you know something about parenting and the next child is really really different well you know you think you know something about how to do mission work in this country then you move to the next village and it's different here yeah it's a different mix of people and characters and dynamics you cannot create a working strategy for a location without having been in that location right. and the notion that you can is just foolish and we've created that expectation on the part of missionaries in order to get funding. Well, that's that's just dumb on both ends of the equation. We, we've just got to educate churches about that. We've got to educate missionaries about that. We've got to find ways around this kind of conundrum. That doesn't mean there's no strategy. That doesn't mean there are no principles. That doesn't mean there are no skills in place. That doesn't mean you have no idea what you're doing. But a lot of the strategy has to be developed on site. Yeah. And we've got to have mature conversations and realistic expectations of what, the, what that looks like. I just, you know, I had no clue about any of that stuff when I was a preacher in an American church trying to be supportive of missionaries. Yeah. And I had a suspicion a lot of times that I'm not being told the truth a lot of the time. Apparently, nothing bad ever happens in that country. Nothing bad <laughs> ever happens in that They just have one success or another all day long.
0: You know, it doesn't smell right. That doesn't seem right. Well, and that doesn't help you and your church grow and learn about the ongoing mission of God I no, either. No. I heard a great
1: quote the other day. I'm kind of... Digressing here, but and, and I can't remember exactly who said it or how it went, but it was something like this if you're hearing some bad news, that's good news, if you're hearing only good news, that's bad news, right? Yes, <laughs> you know, if you're dealing with something that's in reality, it's, it's a mix of good and bad, and we yeah. have to have a realistic assessment of, of what that is, a realistic expectation of what that is, right? Yeah, you know, so. Those are some things I wish I knew. There were, There's a long, long list. How much time do you have? (laughs) I've had a lot of ignorance
0: through the years, and I still do. That was plenty for today, and I think that's really going to be great and and bless our listeners. So thank you for making the time to interview with us and share your experience. Uh, And thank you for joining us today on the Global City Mission podcast. You can learn more about GCMI on our website at globalcitymission.org, or you can visit us on our Facebook and Twitter.